0: Hey beautiful people, my name is Amber Noel and this is A Nanny's Life. This podcast is dedicated to highlighting the full experience of career caregivers both on and off the clock. So welcome to the potty friend, make yourself at home. people and welcome back to another episode of a nanny's life podcast i am amber noel and so we're doing this series and i get to talk to siri today y'all welcome siri oh my gosh i'm so
1: excited ah you just made my morning already
0: I can't even get through my intro. I'm so excited. So guys, y'all know we're doing a nanny life abroad series. And this episode is a little bit different because Siri does live in the States now. But we want to learn all the things about you um, today. So first off, Siri, would you like to introduce yourself? Let us know where you're from, where you grew up and how long you've been in the childcare industry.
1: Absolutely! Thank you for having me, Amber. I am so excited, and thank you for having like such a um, like building this community and doing this work and having this podcast. I think it's so important that we're making some noise in this industry. Um, I'm Siri. I'm the Nordic Nanny on Instagram, and I was born and raised in Finland, and um, I moved to the states only five years ago.
0: Yeah, and I've been
1: I've been a nanny about eight to nine years now, and I've always mm. Uh, around children. I've loved children. I studied uh, child psychology. I have a master's in child psychology and my mom is a uh, psychologist as well. So we were just all like always being intertwined with children and I knew I wanted to work in this this field. And so I moved to the United States because the nanny market is popping here, right?
0: (laughs) It is popping. That is definitely a word to describe it. Um, especially in the last five years that you've been here. It's really, really, really changed um, in some beautiful ways. So I'm really, really glad to hear that. Okay. So you're from Finland. You grew up in Finland.
1: That's right. The Nordic lifestyle.
0: Yes. So what was childhood like for you? Like how, how was childcare handled for your family? Like what, tell me all the things that you remember from your childhood.
1: So I think one of the biggest things that comes to mind is like outdoorsy and being outdoors and not having a bad weather, right? And I've noticed lately that it has like popped up, this Scandinavian living, there's books, there's there's everything you can do to have a more Nordic lifestyle. Well, what is that really? And when I think about my childhood, I have to say it's like, it's like I remember this calmness. It's like just, it was me by myself, playing in the backyard in the silent Lapland forest, like negative 30 degrees, and I'm building a snow castle. And my parents are inside, I'm by myself, and it's just, it's so different than it is nowadays here. And um, so I think that being in touch and tune with your nature and in general, your surroundings, that's like the Scandinavian.
0: That sounds like a dream. That literally—that sounds like Frozen, the movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yes, yeah. There was many um, evenings when I would go to bed with the northern lights. You could see them through the window.
0: Yeah, and nowadays we we Americans pay all the monies to get over there just to witness that um, natural phenomenon.
1: And it's crazy because I took it for granted. I didn't realize how exotic it was until I came here and people talk about it all the time. So I, I think it's, I'm really lucky. So I try to every day, as a mom now, to think about those Nordic ways and how to, how can I transfer them here in America and raising her here.
0: Yeah, so for childcare, like before you go to elementary school or kindergarten, I'm not sure what you know the terms are, um, but what does childcare look like? Do, do kids over there normally uh, stay with like a grandparent? Um, does a parent stay home? Do you go to a center? What's that like?
1: That's a great question. I think that, I think that the system is just so different. I think the biggest difference is probably that we have subsidized childcare. One of the reasons why my career doesn't quite really exist in Finland because the government is, uh, childcare is almost free uh, and it's based on your income, but everybody does have high-quality child care. Um, also, we have maternity leave. So most, of, most children are home. And sometimes most parents decide to stay home until their children are, like, two. So, yeah, so a lot of kids don't even go to daycare. And if they do, you're definitely not under the age of, like, eight months. Because eight months is probably the youngest. And, and school is the same, too. Finnish people, they're not in a hurry they're not in a hurry to go anywhere they want to like that peaceful outdoorsy feeling that you have it translates to like everything so you don't start school until the age of seven.
0: Oh, i didn't know that
1: that's right first grade is like not till the age of seven isn't that cool
0: that's fantastic <laughs> i love that so much because i feel like you know we throw them into schools like cattle so early over here and you never know if they're not getting something that they need because the standard approach may not work for you know a specific kiddo. Right, and I
1: think that there's so many other skills that need to be learned first that you learn at home. There's social skills, there are other needs that need to be met before you can start an academic journey. Right. I think so. I think yeah. And every every child and someone does their own thing up until the age of seven. That's when the when the, you have to go to school. Before that, you can really do what
0: you feel best for you that's incredible and what so if you said finnish people are not in a hurry so what does that look like for your schooling because here we have like the eight hour school day the three hours of homework the extracurriculars the school is a career for kids um over here what's it like over there
1: That is true, that's really true, because I came here as an exchange student first time in high school, and let me tell you about the shock when I have to wake up at 6am, like the bus leaves so early, how is that, how are children, how are their brains, my brain is in a fog in the morning, how are they supposed to be ready to roll and and learn, so in Finland school starts a little later, and also the days are much shorter, you don't have um, later longer days until when you're like 14. also, um, there's like not much homework, it's not as like a hustle, career like you said. One of the big things I think to describe is that when you go to school, you take your shoes off. So nobody, it's like, a, it's like a homey classroom, they have rugs on the floor and nobody has their shoes. So you don't go to school to like, do the test and learn and this is the, my job, let's go. You go to school to be with your friends and, and learn the skills that you need in
0: life. Wow. That is, that is, that's incredible and so different from anything I can ever remember. Um, and I started going to school early because my mom needed to work, um, and childcare was so expensive. So I was in school by four, um, and I would be at school from eight to three at least. Um, and a lot of times after school care, um, and that was, you know, through, High school, um, and then, <laughs> funny enough, when I went to college, it was kind of like a shock not having to be in class eight hours a day like that. It was, it was wild. It was, it was really, really something.
1: <laughs> so all the way through, you would say through college and high school, it's, it's like it, from four to there was no pause; it
0: just kept going. Yeah, no, there's no pause. I started, yeah, I, I started going to school in pre-K, and it was a full day for me. Part of that is because my mom needed the childcare. Um, um to be accessible but most kids I mean my nanny kids go to school um they go to preschool for three to four hours a day um but the kiddo who's in kindergarten is at school he has he's at school before eight o'clock like with like when I get to work I don't see him until he comes home at how are how are they
1: are they for you what do you do does it come out in tantrums does it because then there's all that that transpires because of that that we have to in a way fix other things that I think it's just a basic fact that we expect too much
0: Mm -hmm. in their
1: schooling so you're
0: there to try to fix it all I bet well so for me and that has been a big um it's been a big adjustment for me this school year because I've been with them since he was a baby since he was like 12 weeks old so I was his whole learning experience, right? For so many years. Then he started going to preschool and slowly spending less and less time with me, but I still was trying to um, keep that going, just as a nanny, right? Just as myself being like, I need to give you as much as I'm giving your brother and your sister. But I've realized this year, now that he started kindergarten, I really just need to be there for him. Um, and try to support him. So I'm trying to figure out, like redefine my role in his life (laughs) because what he wants from me is not the lessons. It's not a craft. I can't think of the last time we did a craft. It's not, he just wants quality time to be himself. You know, a lot of days, this is, (laughs) this feels like such a tangent, but I'm glad you asked about this. A lot of days he comes home and just runs into my arms. And you know sometimes it's because he had a good day and he's just happy to see me and sometimes it's because he had a hard time um and I've learned to minimize my expectations of him after such a big day at school because he he works hard at school he learns a lot he I mean he went from not really reading when he started school this year to like now reading all my text messages over my shoulder like he's working hard um so yeah, it is It is a big, long day for him. It definitely is. And I'm definitely trying to be more um, supportive to him than just, you know, being the nanny and the rule enforcer and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: That's so wonderful that you recognize what needs are, because I, I do, that's one of the biggest uh, cultural differences I noticed, too, in my career when I transferred transferred here was that the hustle culture is not just for adults unfortunately here in America, it is for children. too. There's dance class, there's gymnastics there, like even these hobbies,
0: mm-hmm. all
1: hobbies are accessible for all children in Finland, in- by the way. They're all free
0: wow. for everybody
1: uh, because they really literally want all every children to have, to have the same opportunities. But here in America, it's almost like It's almost like a resume that you're building for these children. they got to do it all so that they can have more, but I think that it it can be too much for them because it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of hustling that children need to do, and they must be exhausted.
0: Yeah, I think that parents, you know, I always say parents are either trying to recreate their childhood or rewrite it, and I think a lot of times parents here are thinking very big picture, very long term, Um, and the idea is, you know as scary as it sounds when you look at your 3 or 4 year old you're thinking what kind of college are you going to get into are you going right. to have a scholarship are you going to have enough community service are you going to be good enough at sports to maybe get a scholarship so over here and, and it's you know parents really having the best intentions and, and thinking how can I set you up to be a successful adult and to you know move well in the world but it is a, it is a lot on these children I was actually going to
1: say the same thing, I think as a parent, I've noticed every parent is most certainly trying their best and they want the best for their children. I think it's the pressure from the society and, and how the system is built. And and I thought about it too. And the other day I was like, oh, Winnie's not in music class yet because music starts really early. And I'm like, she's five months. Why do I feel this way? You know? So I I, I know it's, 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 it's hard to juggle it all for sure.
0: hmm yeah, and I think it's a really um, delicate balance for parents too, because I don't, I don't think the longer I stay in one position, the, the, I've never got to see kids grow up quite like I have these kids. And the the longer I stay, the more I identify with the parents and understand what their motivations are and, and what their intention is. Um, and... You know, I try to find ways to be the relief or to be the grace or, you know, to let the kids be kids for a couple hours a day because they really do. I mean, last week, the six year old got home from school at 245 and then had a tennis practice at four and then had a baseball game at 530 after getting to school at like 740 in the morning so and he and i asked him i said do you do you like your days being so full and he said yeah i love it i live for it um because he really is very passionate about sports and i had to remind myself like if he's okay with it you know
1: That's right well i have to say that there's that there's the wonderful part about america is you can you can be who 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 you are because in finland like i didn't fit in because i wanted to do it all i wanted to do it all i wanted to try it all I was so outgoing and so energetic. And everybody else is like, not in a hurry. Everybody else is listening to the, the birds. And I'm like, no, let's go. And they're like, what's wrong with her? Right? So here, if you are that type of person, it's fantastic because nobody cares.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But sometimes here, if you're the type of person who doesn't want to be in a hurry, you get looked at the same way that you probably were looked at back home because I. <laughs> Another tangent, but I was the kid who was trained to achieve. I, you know, was fairly smart um, as a little girl, and my mom saw that and she was like, All right, we're gonna reach for the stars. And she trained me to perform in a lot of ways um, with my best interest in mind, and I did it (laughs) up through uh, high school and I, I went to college, and that was a huge shock because it was a lot more uh difficult for me to to remain at the top i did not remain at the top in college um and that was when i had the realization that maybe i'm not cut out for the rat race that is this western society and the capitalism and all that stuff and that's when i started to think maybe there's another way that i can live my life so i feel like every day i feel like being becoming a nanny was rebellion from (laughs) even though my mom is a kid person she has always supported me as a nanny but it was a rebellion from what i was trained to do i was trained to achieve and to dominate and all that stuff and so every day i'm learning how to balance my true personal goals with what i have to do to live well in this society and it's really interesting (laughs) trying to do that
1: Well, I was going to say, to me, Amber, you, you are such an inspiration, like, the work that you are doing in this community. I would have never thought that that was somehow not good enough. Like, <laughs>
0: thank you. oh my
1: goodness, yes. I i think you're definitely um, on the top over here.
0: <laughs> oh, thank Shaving you. It's, it's taken a while to feel secure in, you know, my career choices um, and all that, but... I'm in a good place. I'm happy. I've, I've, I'm, I I'm feel like I've figured out a way to be true to myself and, you know, take care of myself in this society. So I appreciate you saying that. I really do. I had to kind of teach some of my like extended family members that I know what I'm doing and I, I have my reasons and, you know, I'm trying to be happy out here, but um, yeah, anyway, enough about me. <laughs> Let's talk about you deciding to get into childcare and starting your native life. What was that um, process like for you?
1: So, um, like I said, I've always wanted to work with children. I really have. And, like, I think a lot of us kind of just accidentally find, <laughs> accidentally find our way to nannying. It's not, like you said, it's a lot of, like, having to, it's unfortunate that we have to often explain ourselves like no no it is a real job like uncle listen it is a real job it pays well and that's unfortunate so no nannying was not like oh yeah hmm," when i was at the crown and guidance counselor i wasn't like oh i'm going to be a professional nanny no (laughs) i wish and i encourage others to do that because it's, it's awesome but i i was at first just um doing some babysitting the regular way and then i felt the pressure in finland too the same way like you described it's like this in Finland I think women are very powerful women have very really strong careers they're go-getters and there was this same thing I was like kind of doing child psychology I was gonna get my doctorate and I was babysitting and he was just always like but you're just babysitting while you're doing temporary stuff right and then I think one day I just woke up and I was like I love this I love this so much why can't I just do this so I did. But then I did outgrow the um, Finnish uh, nanny market. Like I said, there really isn't, isn't such a market in Finland for this. Um, and I also didn't quite fit into the, the Finnish culture, I talk about that a lot, I'm so outgoing. So I had visited America a few times and every time I had been here I just felt like there were people like me here, they're somewhere out there. <laughs> and. Um, and I knew that there were such great nanny jobs here because I had been be nannying um, internationally a little bit. So I was like, it's time to, time to move on. And it was a scary decision, let me tell you that, but the best one I've ever made in my life.
0: No, I couldn't imagine doing that. Like, I, I'm so proud of you for just being like, you know what, I'm going to try life someplace else <laughs> and see how it works out. And look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. It wasn't easy because I think that the feeling of not fitting in in America. I'm I'm sure that there there are like in Finland it's not quite the same. Um, I'm not talking like it feels silly to say it, that I didn't fit in because uh, you know. But um, but it wasn't a good feeling. It was like I had some dark moments there for sure. I tried and I tried to just follow these social norms that are expected, and then to make that move was so scary because what, what if it didn't work out? And I think it was my mom who said like Siri what if it doesn't work out? You take a plane and you come back. And I was like, you're right. I love that. So I, yeah
0: ah, and I didn't know that your mom was a psychologist too. Yeah, she's a, a
1: psychotherapist. She pretends to be retired at the moment but <laughs> <laughs> always finds her way back, right?
0: yeah was it do you feel like she was particularly keen on you know where your mindset was and stuff as a child as a result of that
1: absolutely yes and my mom used always say she was like oh siri's a little psychologist she's gonna be a psychologist and i was like no i am not but look what happened I guess she was right. Um, yes, my mom was definitely very tuned in with me. Um, I've talked to her a lot. She works with the highly sensitive society in Finland, uh, which is a, a, a personality theory by Dr. Elaine Aron, which is like 20% of people are, are just um, wired more sensitive, right? And she said that it was very hard to raise me because I was just so, so sensitive. So when I was a child, she could already tell I didn't quite sit in because I was so sensitive. I felt so much. And when I got excited, I was so excited. And other people would be like, hmm, weird. Um, so I'm happy that she had the resources and the knowledge to raise me because I, don't know how I would have gone otherwise. You know.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it worked out perfectly. And I, now that you've mentioned highly sensitive people and children, um, I want to hear more about that because I think in western culture anyway it is expected that you uh fit a label right and a lot of times if you're not um outgoing resilient um you know if you don't demonstrate the characteristics that people think you should as a child if you don't react to things in ways that people think you should if you are more sensitive you get a label But you don't always get uh, resources or help or, you know, therapy or whatever you may actually need. So can you talk a little bit about what characteristics uh, you see in highly sensitive children?
1: Yes, absolutely. So highly sensitive children are often, um, I mean, there's different types of highly sensitive people, just does not necessarily mean that you are or you are not, but they're very tuned into their surroundings. And that weighs heavy on them. I carry that a lot with me all the time. I can sense a lot of things. Highly sensitive children can be very—they need a lot of reassurance. And then I think our society is always like, "Yeah, I told you already. You did fine, right?" But with the highly sensitive child, it's okay to stop and look at them and say, "Like you're great. I hear you and I see you." They need that reassurance because their there's the sensory input that they are, they are basically getting is so overwhelming to them. But the funny thing is that they can always also be the same way, like they can get bored very easily. So the line where highly sensitive children are, it's like everything is just bigger to them. Their feelings, sometimes they might like be very sensitive to cold or hot, sometimes they might not like eating food. Um, yeah, and sometimes they might be very worried about what they said or what was said to them, how did they do like that so it's sensory input basically what it
0: comes down to yeah the more you talk about it the more I see myself in that category um because I am I'm very I don't know you know how some people can have a conversation and walk away from that conversation and it's over <laughs> I'm the person who replaced the conversation 10 times and I'm like wait I shouldn't have said that what if they're upset and they don't want to tell me they're upset? Like, I'm, and people think I'm not that way for whatever reason. Um, I think I come off as outgoing, even though I'm not. Uh, but I encountered a child in my career, we'll say, um, who I think is highly sensitive. And I see so much of myself in that child before I knew. term highly sensitive before I you know started to seek out you know tools resources um to help this child I just identified and a lot of our connection and my um efficacy with this child was rooted in I feel you buddy me too you know or I would be overwhelmed too or you are absolutely right you know um so I just think it's interesting how working in this field you you see yourself in children you identify with them and sometimes you can become their their I don't want to say hero but you know the adult that sees that part of them you know and can speak to that part of them cuz we don't we don't really talk about highly sensitive kids enough over here I think.
1: We don't and I think that it's fantastic that you noticed that and that that child had a caregiver who was highly sensitive themselves because there is research done that highly sensitive children really struggle when they're when they're like in a way forced into the hustle culture right Mm -hmm. and and it's such a weird line so the highly sensitive line goes like this on this side we have people who are not highly sensitive which we call them like what you can call them squares right they're square people very often they're in mathematics or in in a lot of logical fields um, and then on this side, we have the highly sensitiveness and, um, and you can be anywhere in the spectrum. So you can have a little bit of highly sensitiveness in you, or you can have it. I think I have it all as a kid. I definitely had it all. And then beyond this line though, comes like neurotic behaviors and, 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 and um, mental things that need professional help right and sometimes that line can be really hard to figure out and if that highly sensitive child is put with the caregiver who's super square and super logical they can easily be pushed to this side so i think it's very important to recognize where you are and where the child is and what type of care they need to keep them in that balance
0: right yep yep and it's interesting because again western society a lot of times the thought process is well if this is hard for you then I'm going to force you to do it a lot so that it gets easier yes but that's not how it works right
1: (laughs) no that is totally no it's the opposite because now you're going to push the child even further and you're going to have even bigger issues um trying to support that child yeah yeah that's that's a big problem I think that um That's why the highly sensitive work is so important, so that we can get it out there. And I think that there's a negative stigma on being sensitive, especially in America. Especially in America, the word sensitive is so sad to me because the the highly sensitive children I've worked with are the most beautiful little humans. Being highly sensitive, I would not trade it. They are very tuned into music all the time, they can be very artistic, and they have a lot to give to this world. So I want
0: to change that narrative that being sensitive is fabulous. It's just awesome, mm-hmm. it's a strength and we should nurture women. that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And you are literally the first, and maybe only caregiver I've seen like on Instagram talking about that subject matter. Uh, but to be honest, you are perhaps the most. Uh, I think. Educated would be offensive to some people, but the most research driven, I think, caregiver that I've encountered online. Everything that you say (laughs) has sources that you cite, that you post. Um, You always come with receipts of all sorts. And I love that. Um, Is that, is most, did most of that come with your uh, master's degree education? Or are you just out here just reading articles every day, just hungry?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. And honestly, that's why I think the field just gets me so perfect because because I couldn't just I thought about being a researcher. I really did because I enjoy it. That's why I cite all my sources on Instagram. That's why I love sharing these articles because I'm fascinated. I just I love it. It's such fascinating stuff, but I could never just be a researcher. I have to have that hands on. I want to be with the children. So that's why being a nanny is perfect because I get the best of the both worlds. They go together. I get to work with my little humans. And then I get to read the articles in my, in my, um, in my free time. I, and when you say if, it, if it's a school, as much as I would like to tell you it is schooling, I honestly think you, you can do it yourself. Uh, college definitely, the master's degree gave me some tools to, to like how to look for good research and what, how to recognize that research, but you can do it yourself. It's really, I feel like there's this whole academic lingo has a barrier, so other people who don't speak the same language can't do it. I want to break that. No! Go on Google Scholar, search what you want, what you're interested in, and read the article. That's all it really that all it really is. I wish that some of the language was a little more basic, though, so that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing so I can bring it for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. That's part of why I brought it up. I think that's important because in our industry, a lot of times, there's this like demarcation, this separation between... Uh, caregivers who have done the post-secondary thing and caregivers who were just passionate and got into the field and learned a lot through their experiences. And I think we need to have more conversations about bridging that gap and making the information more accessible, more uh, digestible, (laughs) and more common because we, you know, the only way you get better is you learn something new, you know? And I think a lot of our, you know, approaches and practices would be so much more fine-tuned we would understand better why we do what we do if we took the time to you know read the research you know understand what your motivation is and what exactly are the effects of some of the ways that we Interact with children, interact with one another. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Interact with the families that we support. Because a lot of times, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to caregivers who are like, I know that what I'm doing is more beneficial, but I don't know why. I don't know the science, I don't know the research, I don't know how. And because of that, I'm not confident enough to assert to the families that I'm working for that. I may have some valuable information and perhaps they could get on board with you know what I'm doing so that's why I enjoy being like in your stories and on your page because it's like here we go we got the the evidence backed information yes
1: yes and that's the thing I wanna I wanna show people how you can look for the information so you can show that there was a research done on this that found XY and Z so maybe we should do this. You know what I mean? And not just because it is is—it is a problem when people make claims that are not backed up. So um, I want to give these tools where you can find what has to and what has
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So if you are ever, listeners, if you're ever on Instagram and you're wondering about a thing <laughs> that is caregiver related, if you go to Siri's page, you will probably find <laughs> some information in her highlights or something. She is always spitting all the knowledge no thank you i i'm
1: happy to hear you find it fascinating
0: i find it fascinating because um i think research substantiates our work in a big way and we miss that because we don't look at it right so because the science (laughs) backs the fact that the first five years are formative that we are programming these children that we are literally helping to form pathways in their brains you know and that makes the work so much bigger so much more important so much more relevant but a lot of times we don't have that information to share with families to share with society to share with you know some of the lesser understanding agencies that like this is a big thing we're doing so yes
1: right and i think that in in, in america and in the world there is just like like i said the academic lingo it's almost like you have to be in the circle to to understand and find the research and let's talk about the fact that you you literally cannot access a lot of these articles because they are you have because only for university students i i see that excuse me i see that as a huge problem i think that all information should be accessible to everybody and social media is fantastic because now everybody has the information on their phone but there is a flip side to that as well mm-hmm. because what information is right not all of it is good
0: (laughs) yeah confirmation bias is a thing
1: (laughs) absolutely and that's why i take uh, citing my sources so seriously because um there's no such thing as right or wrong even in research in my opinion because you can find a uh, you can find a citation for any of your claims if you really want to so i want i think everybody should cite their sources so whoever's reading your your information can decide for themselves They can click that link and go and read it themselves and be like, that's that's not how I read it. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, and that is a thing that social media, I think, has crippled us um, in a way because we want everything to be right there in one place. You know, these apps work so hard to keep us in tune with the app. They work so hard to keep us from clicking away, from going to figure something out on our own. And I think there are definitely creators and accounts who take advantage of that fact and they're like if I put it on my slide it's law.
1: (laughs) Right and that's that's not quite right. So I want to like raise the awareness of watch what you read and make sure that it is peer-reviewed and yeah.
0: Yeah I love that about you. Sorry I can't stop smiling. Okay so now I want to get into your journey into parenthood for two reasons for two reasons so the first reason is because nannies who become parents i think are some of the strongest people in the world because you already know (laughs) you know so many people have children because they want children because they want family but don't really know what they're getting themselves into and i'm sure you know obviously it's different being a nanny and being a parent but for me, I feel like I have so much information that would warn me. Maybe, maybe that's not something that will happen in my life. Maybe that's a lot for me. Um, so for one, I would love to hear sort of your outlook on going from being a nanny to becoming a parent. And then we're going to talk about mom. <laughs> so first, talk about um, your journey to becoming a parent.
1: Sure. Um, I think the crazy part, like you said, was you have all this knowledge as a nanny, and you've seen so many different kids, and you think you have it all down, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, was. I thought like sleeping is a good, like napping is a good example. I thought i would seen all the techniques on how to sleep train and what works, and I think I even said it out loud to my to my mother. I said, but mom, no, like it really comes down to a technique. Nope. It is not. <laughs> it does not. So so it's funny how I almost have separate brains. I have the nanny brain and I have the mom brain. And I have to say those two work great together because I can go to the other side and be like, wait a second, um, I know what this is and, and I can think rationally. But ultimately, when you have such big emotions tied to this specific child, because it's so different because it's your own, own child, um, it doesn't really quite matter you're just a mom you're just a human in the end but I love that I have the experience and I do think that um because of the experience I have we uh, avoided the initial shock that comes with my parenthood you know what I mean so in a way I felt prepared
0: yeah and I think you know being a nanny first and then becoming a parent you really do learn that compassion for parents that is sometimes hard for nannies who don't have children I think we are very judgmental of parents i will include myself um sometimes because we're thinking about our job and our you know working conditions and what would make our job easier um and sometimes we just don't consider just the emotional connection um the investment that parents have into their children um you know the sleep deprivation um you know the sensitivity to the kids needs because you know I can listen to my nanny kid cry It hits different if if their parent is listening to them cry you know and I think we're so quick to get frustrated when parents act like parents as opposed to nanny bosses um but it really is a difficult thing to juggle but I have loved watching you journey into parenthood that baby is the cutest thing in the world. Um, it's such a wild ride
1: and I'm still learning even after nine years of being in this industry and I want to be the first to like to say that it's okay to admit your mistakes like I remember as a nanny there used to be a time when I would be annoyed by the fact that the mother would come and check when I was with their child when the child was crying and and like you said it's a kid so different when your child is crying of your of course you're gonna want to check so a lot of the nannies, I think we have this like we know it all, and this is how the parents should act. I think you're 100% right. Like, let's give them some grace because being a parent is so hard. And I bet you every single parent in this earth is, I hope, I would hope so, is trying to do their best. Is trying to do what they
0: can. hmm I have listen. COVID taught me to just let it fly because I, I had a pretty strict rule about work from home parents. It was a no, it was a negative, nope, if you're in the house, I'm not in the house. Um, And of course, we ended up spending a couple years under the same roof at all times. And my bosses are great about trusting that I'm doing the right thing, trusting that I have it under control. We have a lot of years under our belt, but at the same time, like there still will be moments where I'm with the kids and they are (laughs) losing it and one of my bosses will just call the kid to come to them. And it's one of those moments as a nanny where you can either get frustrated that you weren't allowed to handle the situation, or you could just be grateful that no one is screaming in your face anymore. <laughs> and I have learned to just be grateful that they're not screaming in my face anymore. <laughs>
1: Thank you for sharing that because I think that's so so awesome. Yes, it's a team effort. It's teamwork, isn't it? And obviously, there can be situations when it's not okay. But I think that I think that we are a team, and we need to give both both of us should have some grace. It's such a tricky profession, though, because you are in such an intimate space. You are in their home, in the middle of their family. So yeah, it's really not easy, but it's so wonderful. Same time, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. And okay, so. <laughs> i'm most excited to talk about this because you shared that your mom came over for a while to hang out (laughs) with you and there were several uh culture shock moments um that you guys kind of walked through together where you were like mom this is just how it is here um can you talk a little bit about that
1: absolutely she is actually coming again in two weeks so
0: yes. I'll have more on that. Yes, I will
1: be tuned <laughs> <Yes>. in. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so my it's so funny how I've integrated in five years. I've I've Americanized in just a short five years, and my mom was pointing out things that I was like, "Wow, you're right." Um, one of the big things that she would not stop talking about was like, "Where are the sidewalks? Mm. Why is there no sidewalks here?" And then she would ask, it was like. But, hi, where, oh, how, my husband, like, why, are, how are people supposed to go through these steps when they are pushing the stroller in the wintertime? And my husband had to explain to her like, they're probably not. <laughs> so there was a lot of, like, little daily things. Another thing that was really funny was we were house shopping. <clears throat> and uh, my mom was with us when we were house shopping, and she's looking at these houses and like, but, but where is the, where is the mudroom? And I'm like, Mom, there's no mudroom. She's like, You walk into the door and you're in the you're in the, t- the living room. Where are you gonna put the snowshoe? And because uh, in Finland we have a whole mudroom because you've got your snow gear, you got your snow boots. And she's like, It's gonna get all muddy. You have to put the wall here. It was just so funny. And so <laughs> and how like there's um there the the houses we're looking at they wouldn't have the sidewalks. His, um, out into the the walking. She's like, how do you get down there? I will call the I will call the city to come and build you a. Uh, I will call them and they will <laughs> come make you a crosswalk over here. <laughs> I doubt they'll be here, but okay.
0: <laughs> I love that so much. The mudroom thing is so funny to me, specifically because the, people have mudrooms here, but it's a luxury. It's a pretty like I don't a, a mudroom is not like a default, right? And people who have them are like it's like you're fancy, your house is really nice, like you're so cool that you have one. Um my boss has actually built one <laughs> into their oh, new they house. Did? Yeah, wow. because the kids do a lot of sports and and the way you enter the house, it it just it just made more sense. But <clears throat> it's true. We just walk in the house and we're just in here and whatever was outside is now in here. <laughs> <laughs> It is, but I think
1: you're bringing up a great point that I've noticed with this whole Scandinavian. It's kind of like a in right now. Mm-hmm. The Scandinavian parenting. It is trendy, but it has the negative side. It's become capitalized as well. It's become luxury, and I swear I wanna I wanna tell you that in Finland, just everybody. It's the system is built so differently, so everybody is like um floor heating for example is a good example of that here floor heating when i said we have floor heating in our house everybody was like whoa that's such a luxury you have to be really wealthy to afford that but in someone it's cold so everybody has floor heating and it's not really uh, for upper middle class people it's for everybody everybody's gotta keep their, their floors heated right so there are these cultural differences that like even my mom says things that come out very privileged but it's so culturally so different and we've had to really explain it to her. We've had to get really deep into explaining the system and how it's built here in America and how they're not gonna be able to come and build you a crosswalk right there, mom, because they are not being able to meet other needs at the moment in other areas, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's really tricky actually.
0: And it's sad because I feel, Mom, because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but like some of the challenges that we have as a society, like with our infrastructure, it does not make logical sense except for the fact that the people with the money remain in control <laughs> and they keep the money and they remain in control, you know? That's like the only explanation for a lot of what goes on here. Like we don't have, I, I will never forget this, we... So my boyfriend and I bought a house in 2020, and we live in a historical neighborhood um, that is also historically black um, in Atlanta. And I will never forget a family member—I'm not going to call out who it was—but a family member came over and was like, "So where are the sidewalks? How will you walk?" Because here, uh, sidewalks are a luxury. Like you—you you see them in like a suburban, like a newer build subdivision or in the historically wealthy areas. But a lot of regular neighborhoods don't have sidewalks built in and people just walk on the side of the road, which is petrifying. And that should be
1: the opposite. That should be the absolutely opposite. Like my mom made a good point. She was saying, um, she was like, there's so much trash around this area. Why is there so much trash? And I was like, she was like, is there areas when there's not trash? And we did visit those areas and she's like, wow. And she's saying to herself, like, the first place where they should clean is these areas that have lower socioeconomic statuses to make it more livable, to make it... But, but that's not how that works. It's the opposite. And that's sad.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't it wild?
1: It's so wild. It's, it's cultural differences every single day that we we uh, see and that stop us and, and shook us.
0: And, mm-hmm. yeah. and I remember sure. you were talking about your mom... Wanting to walk everywhere, and walkable neighborhoods are also privilege. Like most neighborhood, like my neighborhood, again a historically black neighborhood, you have to get in a car if you want to get groceries. There is nowhere I could walk in within ten miles and get groceries.
1: When you would, when where you would think it should be the opposite because people in lower socioeconomic is they probably struggling to, to have a car. Mm-hmm. So here, let's build them those sidewalks so they can walk through the store.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's just so sad.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And then also the outdoor culture that you guys have back in Finland, we don't necessarily have here. We're all in our cars or in our homes. We go outside, but it's like, you know, we need the thousand hours outside challenge to encourage us to spend time outside. Which is, yes, which is also another thing that I
1: feel like happens in a lot of, like, quite middle class, mm-hmm. uh, that's the people who use the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm sure that that was not the original, uh, meaning of, of the challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I, that has been a thing for me the past few years is, like, being outside more, um, Because I didn't necessarily grow up that way. I mean, we would go outside when it was beautiful, but if it wasn't beautiful outside, if it wasn't, you know, sunny, 70 degrees, perfect, (laughs) we were doing something else, which is interesting. So I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to get on board with the no, no bad weather, no such thing as bad weather. Um, It is a challenge though, because like, like your mom said with the steps, it's, this country is not really built for that. So, yes. you know, we don't have the gear necessarily. We don't have the accessible walkways and stuff like that. It's so, it's so different.
1: <laughs> and I think you brought up a good point when you mentioned the gear too. It's like Finnish people, um, like here, I, my mom was actually the one I think who pointed it out. Uh, she would see kids outside and they would have like really big puppy jackets on. But then they would have no hats or then they would have their tennis shoes on and my mom like of course they're going to be cold of course they're not going to want to be outside because they're cold but they're, they're going to need some socks on so it's yeah it's a very tricky situation for sure and as, as, as awesome as it's fun as it sounds to have thousand hours outside not everybody is able and capable of doing that and that's okay if you don't like it that's, then that's fine too I think that we, like, get so caught up in these trends. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to do 1,000. I'm going to get 1,000 hours. I have this cute little graphic I'm going to color on. (laughs) And, you know.
0: You are reading me for filth right now, Siri, because I definitely signed up for the 1,000 hours. Maybe in 2021, something like that. And I was like, I'm going to do it, and we're going to go outside. And we got to, like... April and I was like first of all tracking feels silly like going outside because I don't have enough hours outside feels maybe like the wrong motivation um but also yeah just just go outside <laughs> enjoy it and like
1: the finish people are they just they are just
0: not in a hurry yeah I, I wish think we this, in a hurry. even this thing became a
1: hustle like now we got
0: to get them hours Exactly. Done. Exactly. And that's when I was like okay I'm going to I'm going to not. <laughs> I'm going to not keep doing that anymore. Um, and you also mentioned one time that you guys were out running errands or shopping or something like that, and baby fell asleep, and your mom was like, yeah, just leave the stroller outside, and we'll go in and eat or something.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So we were um, We were visiting uh, some friends family, and, and she had been pushing the stroller with the baby in it outside, and the baby fell asleep. And we had something to go uh, upstairs or something. She's like, oh, it's okay. Baby, stay asleep. I leave, I leave baby here.
0: And, and it
1: was the owner of the house, the guest, who was like, oh, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And my mom, <laughs> my mom was not joking. <laughs> and this person was like, oh, ha, ha, so funny. Mm-hmm. And she was not joking because, because the outdoor air dust research would have such benefits. Children sleep better outside. So in Finland, when you go into coffee shops, you go into the library, you will see, literally, you will see a little um, little line of strollers outside, and everybody knows it's sleeping babies. You leave them alone. That's where they are.
0: That's incredible to me. <laughs> Sleep is such a, a thing here, like, especially for babies and toddlers. It's, it's, I think, one of the bigger challenges that parents face is figuring out. how to get their kids to sleep consistently um which you know we could argue that that's not something we should be trying to figure out necessarily or but you know rather supporting instead um but that's one of my favorite things because I really do think kids sleep I mean obviously it has been researched but I've seen it (laughs) that kids sleep better um in some fresh air but we it's not the world we live in unfortunately
1: And I've had to, um, I've had to figure out. My my daughter is not a good napper, and she, when my mom was here, she took the naps of her life. Oh man, because my mom would just push, and and every single day when she would a little bit be crumpy, like, uh, <laughs> my mom's like, oh, there it goes. She hasn't been outside today. That's why. it's <laughs> so funny. That's so yeah, I'm excited for her to come back. So that because she's so outdoorsy too. Like I'm, I'm Americanized, and i have like she'll be outside
0: the whole two hours uh when he wants to sleep and i'm like no <laughs> mm-hmm. got other things to do i was gonna say but you also have things to do like you're you you live in the states so you got your chores you got your house to keep up with and stuff like that and um baby sleeping feels like the perfect time to do that right <laughs>
1: exactly yes whereas in finland because they have maternity mm-hmm. and they have other things happening that uh and due to those things it's like it is that like oh we're not in a hurry which I do believe childhood should be childhood should be that calm like we're not in a hurry we're just growing
0: Mm -hmm. because that's that's a big job it really really is um so with all that being said have you thought through how you hope to balance uh bringing up your daughter in this western society but also with some of your uh, values from home
1: yes and that's the tricky thing because um it is tricky because trying to keep up with some of those important cultural aspects while being in a whole other culture it's such a like it's um, such a um things go so deep and there's reasons for why they are this way so I, I struggle with that every day and I think I at first I had really high expectations I was like she's gonna sleep outside every every nap and and I've learned in this crazy journey of parenthood to just give myself crazy so I at first would say yes I had a plan now I love the fact that I don't have a plan <laughs> so and I think one of the big things is that my parents come over and when they do those finish um things like pop up more and another thing is important for us is that I speak Finnish to her so those are my hopes and wishes that she'll uh, grow up respecting different, co- different cultures and her Finnishness and, and that, that is a privilege to have another culture to grow up with another culture it's so beneficial and it opens up a lot like when I moved to America I think I just like learned so much about the world
0: And that's something a lot of kids don't get. A lot of kids just get one view of the world until, you know, like for me, I might have been in college before I really started to consider how big this world was and how small my cultural bubble growing up was. And I think a lot of us could have used a little bit more (laughs) exposure to other cultures growing up. I think it would help us come together as a, the human race a lot more. Um, but yeah, we're so like isolated, you know, we're so in our bubbles a lot of times. So I would
1: like to, I would like to have that part of my, my nanny style too. We try to uh, learn about other religions, we try to learn about other cultures and because that is important, the world view.
0: Yeah. And do you, because you, you are so, culturally aware and you have so, so much knowledge on different child care approaches and such. Do you have a preferred style of child rearing or is it like a, an amalgamation of, of sorts?
1: I think it would probably be a, a combination of a lot. I And also I love that um, I've, I've learned in my career that having your favorite is good but I've also learned that every single kid has been different that I've worked with so every single time I've had to make up a whole new approach to to fit. because in a way like some some highly sensitive children might really thrive with the Montessori method but then there's some highly sensitive children who might really they might not be beneficial at all it causes some stress so every time I'm like oh yeah this is a pattern it's not the next kid comes around and it's completely different so yeah I think that my approach, I'd like to say, is more of like being really aware of that little human-specific and individual need,
0: what that child needs, right? Which you're able to do because you have learned about so many different approaches and styles. And I think that's another thing that we are lacking sometimes in our industry, is that we we learn about something we resonate with it and so we adopt it and we're like this is the way that I want to show up as a caregiver and we get on the internet and we preach this way (laughs) to everyone this is right this is superior this is the best Um, and it's not until you encounter a child that does not respond well to it that you consider that oh wait maybe one size doesn't fit all you know
1: Thank you for saying that. And I think that is so beneficial for the children that we're we're raising, to be able to know that. And and to be able to say that you can be wrong. And I think that's so important to... to, to I, wanna, I want everybody to know that every single one of us has biases. And we have preferred things that we're probably trying to. So it's very important that we see that child and we, we, we recognize that this isn't working for them.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I love our online community because, you know, you got nannies from all sorts of backgrounds and with all sorts of, I'll say baggage, um, you know, things that have gone on in their lives, in their upbringing, or even in their adulthood that have impacted them in such a way that they want to prevent someone else from having that same experience. And sometimes we allow our baggage (laughs) to inform our child caregiving style when that has nothing to do with the child necessarily. So I appreciate being online with so many other caregivers because there will be days where I will get online and someone will say something and I'll be like, that doesn't make any sense to me, I don't get it. But because a lot of us have a whole page and we have highlights and we can you know, have conversations, then I'm like, okay, now I see where you're coming from and I see how that could be beneficial in specific situations. Which is why I'm obsessed with following your page and hearing everything that you have to say all the time. Because sometimes Siri, I'd be like, "Wait, now, <laughs> I don't get it." But because you always cite your sources, I can go and see, you know, where you're coming from. And and I think maybe every time I've thought that <laughs> from your page, anyway, I've been like, "Oh no, never mind." She has a point. Got it. What
1: the, and and that's exactly why I want to give you the sources because I'm not always I'm not right. I'm just, I'm just having fun researching things and, and showing you guys that information. If you want to take it, I do sometimes wonder though if, if if people who read my stories think that it's either it's right or wrong. Like, oh no, I've been doing it wrong. It's also just okay to say that, like, you know what? It's a valid parenting choice not to not to do baby led weaning. That's okay. And um, yeah. So I think that. It's so it's good to recognize that when some, somebody's doing something differently it, I, I want us to learn from each other's differences right like I, I want us to say like hey I, I agree to disagree and social media sometimes is really difficult with that because it's almost as if like oh I don't need that negativity in my life mm.
0: unfollow mm. unfollow
1: whereas you could really learn so much from that person
0: right? you're preaching a little bit here now because we, we do that <laughs> too far? we do that we will do that in a minute we will say you know what i'm protecting my peace and i don't ever want to hear from this person again because they said something that i disagree with you are so right we are so quick to do that Hmm.
1: and whereas i agree with you though like is it really affecting your mental health like you should protect your peace absolutely that's not what i'm saying but sometimes we i think before we are like oh my gosh no take it away i don't want that We have to stop and be like,
0: okay, you know what? That's a great point. What can I learn from that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, like you—if you're only ever talking to people who agree with you, what are you learning? learning. How are you growing? How are you getting any better? And it's true. We get—it's so funny because in real life we wouldn't do that, right? A lot of times in real life we have these friend circles, we have these networks of people who all do whatever they want to do, but because they are kind, because we are close to them, we allow them that grace and, and, and sort of autonomy over their own mind and their own actions and agree to disagree. But something about this internet, we just, we, we take everything so personally, you know? And we take everything as law. Especially,
1: this is one of the sad things I've noticed as becoming a parent, is how judgy other moms can be and how other like parenting its such a, like a heated topic it's almost like if you don't do this we're not friends like wow it's such a trippy to me
0: yeah because in some ways you i get it because if you have a different some in some ways i get why you would choose not to um interact a lot right if you have a different approach like Sometimes I get set up on play dates with caregivers who have a very different approach and there are instances where it's workable, you know, cause I'm just doing this for one day a week. And then there are instances where it's detrimental in my opinion. And then, you know, I remove myself, but I do, I think we need to have more across the table conversations with people who do things differently and, and really seek clarity, you know, behind intentions instead of just assuming I think you bring up a
1: great point, to where you say like sometimes it is necessary, because because it it might interfere with what you stand for, right? So I like to I like to always ask myself, can I learn something from this difference? If you can learn something from somebody's different view, I think it could be beneficial. If you, if it's not something you you can't learn, then maybe you have to let go. Obviously, like you know, sometimes you have to protect your piece. Tricky,
0: tricky. Yeah, but that is the beauty of having this global network where we can hear from and reach out to people who are different from us and learn things and I personally have made so many like actual friends it feels like with people from completely different backgrounds like I feel like I vibe so well with you and like a lot of the other people who have been on this show who don't look like me who don't necessarily share my philosophies or whatever but like I'm learning and you're learning and we're kind to each other we respect one another we have great discourse like I'm here for it I love it I'm so happy and I'm so happy that you came on this silly show <laughs> thank you and amber thank you for doing this work because you
1: are the one who are bringing us together all the time thank I'm you. here because you have this this network and, and and sometimes parenting is lonely and sometimes life got really lonely when I when I got to the United States and I didn't know anybody. And I have to say that the aunt nannies on Instagram in many days have been there for, for me and it's just so beautiful.
0: It's the best. It's like we have, you know, we have colleagues, not necessarily co workers, but like, ugh, it's the best. It has kept me going for sure. I definitely would have left the industry if I did not um, reach out as much as I have in the past couple of years. So. I'm so glad to have encountered you. <laughs> Thank,
1: you. Thank you for having me. It's
0: such an honor to be here. Oh, Thank of course. You you knew it was only a matter of time. And I we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to do another one. Um I at would some love point, to, Because yeah. I wanna really do a deep dive into pedagogy in general with you because you are the expert in my opinion. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm so fascinated by all this. So i'm i'm just learning as i'm going so i would love to take you on the
0: ride yeah sure yeah that would be incredible uh but yeah so uh thank you guys for tuning into another episode of a nanny's life podcast i hope you got something that can help you um to take away and i hope that you take care of yourself this week just as well as you take care of others uh and we'll be back soon thanks guys bye